Hey, Craig. The Cougs are going bowling in the zone of desert, not going to Vegas. Had some fans hurt, but Wazoo in a bowl, I can't complain. <laughs> so it's not an original. Uh, no. But I did but, do it. I did a search for songs about bowling, and yeah. this is a song by a band called The Sleep at the Wheel, and right. um, it's called The Bowling Song. So I thought it was fitting. Um, yeah. And uh, this is Podcast versus Everyone. I'm Craig Powers. With me is Jeff Newser. This is the uh, We're Going to a Bowl and Other Stuff to Talk About edition Woo. of Podcast versus Everyone. Woo! We already knew we were going to a bowl, but now we know which one. Now we know which one. And there's yeah, cheese-flavored cheese crackers involved. That's, dude, cheese-flavored crackers. I mean, both of us have children. So we are well aware of the magical powers of cheese-flavored crackers. Yeah. Well, uh, I am a longtime Cheez-It fan, like a just mm. lifetime Cheez-It fan. My Would grandma, you say you're a Cheez-It hipster? Uh, I, I wouldn't say that because Cheez-Its have been popular for a very long time, long before <laughs> I existed. My grandma was a big Cheez-It fan. And so oh. when I was growing up, she would eat Cheez-Its. I would eat Cheez-Its with her. So I've always been eating Cheez-Its, you know. Now okay. there's all sorts of flavors. The only flavor I like is probably the hot and spicy. I'm not a fan of the white and cheddar. or Although if they did a Cougar Gold, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd be into that. Yeah. But yeah, I, so I did uh, see. Uh, I think that was Wazoo Crew Eleven on Twitter yep. with the with the Cougar Gold yep. plastered on the Cheez It box. Yep. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So I'm I'm down with the Cheez Its. Uh, I'll, I'll when I'm I hope to eat plenty. Well, I've already eaten some, you know, in celebration. So yeah, I'm but sure. Yeah, you're, uh, so you're fired up because you're going to Phoenix. I'm I am going to Phoenix. I uh, I it's funny I. I'm in my last uh, couple weeks of MVP gold status on Alaska because I didn't. I used to travel a lot for work. I don't so much anymore. Not this year. Not enough to get the uh, get get the status. So um, part of that status is you can um, uh, cancel your flights without any penalty. Basically, they just uh, put the funds into a wallet for you, and and you can use them on your next flight or whatever. Um, so I uh, I. I booked a Vegas flight before and then I was just like, okay, if push comes to shove, I'll just use that money towards a Phoenix flight. And, um, yeah, I tapped out my last of my, my points. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, and I won't be flying high anymore, but, uh, I figured it's a good, uh, nice, uh, last, uh, last couple days of having status. I'll go enjoy it on my flight to Phoenix and back. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go up to the Grand Canyon and yeah. do all that all that good stuff. You're traveling solo. Yeah. Yeah, I roll solo. My Amanda's not into not into rolling to a, a bowl game the day after Christmas. So. No. <laughs> no, I That's I, I, weird. Th she thinks she she'd rather <laughs> maybe hang out with her family. I don't know. I'm like What? A family? <laughs> I'm gonna go. What? I'm gonna go drink for four days in Arizona. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, her family's obviously not like our families. I mean, <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I'd rather go drink in the desert for three days. Oh yeah, I'm excited. So there's a brewery. I'll definitely uh, when we're podcasting. Probably will do one while I'm down there. I think maybe right when I get back. I'm. So there's a brewery I'm really excited about. Renhouse Brewing. 
down there. Um, they uh, they do a lot of barley wines and a lot of cool stuff. And so, you know, what, what better place to have a barley wine than the desert? Um, but, you know, we haven't done this up top very often lately, not during football season, because we always have this game to either get mad about or be excited about. Um, but, Jeff, uh, let's, let's do it up top. What are you drinking? I am having... Did we just become best friends from Hoofhearted Brewing? Well, you're repeating a brewery again. I am repeating a brewery. Uh, so I could not. Uh, That's from 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 Hoofhearted Brewing. Hoofhearted. Hoofhearted Brewing. Hoofhearted Brewing. Uh, so it is. Uh, there's a picture of, of two gentlemen rocking out, uh, along with uh, what looks like a now. The the cub cat that's on it, you know, could very well be a cub cougar. Not sure. Might actually just be a lion, but either way. It kind of looks like, I mean, it's it's a young cub, you know, large cat. And so I was like, yeah, I'm getting that because that looks like a cougar. So plus you got to love stepbrothers. So karate in the garage. Exactly. It's common. It's common knowledge that the power of two is greater than that of a mere mortal. It's for that exact reason that we've selected choice co-conspirators to collaborate for the greater good of all. In this iteration of our newest rotating DIPA, Amarillo and Simcoe were forced to go belly to belly with the lights off. Frankly, the results were a bit of a surprise. When we finally peeked in the garage, we found the two cuddled firmly under one of Dad's half-used oil rags, limbs intertwined and forming but one whole cone. Did we? Simcoe begins to ask. Yup, we sure did. So there you go. <laughs> what a... What, what, what a, a beer description. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a... Uh, the way it goes on and on about the flavor of the beer, you just can't. Oh wait, no, they don't talk about that at all. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know what? I I appreciate that. I I don't think that a brewery needs to tell me what the beer tastes like. Like mm-hmm. the beer's gonna taste like what yep. I think it t- like what I think I'm it tastes like. Don't tell me there's notes of vanilla and stuff. Which I'll I'll get that to to my beer. Um. So. Uh, I am drinking a uh, barrel and bean from Allagash Brewing. Um, Allagash is one of those OG craft brewers in the U.S. They opened in 95. Um, they have always been a Belgian-focused brewery. So they even to the point where they got mass respect from like a lot of Belgian breweries. Um, this particular one is a triple aged in uh, a Belgian triple style ale aged in uh, bourbon barrels. Uh, for only seven weeks, it's not like a, it's not a long rest. Um, and then uh, blended with cold brew coffee. Uh, not very much, I would say. From a place called Speckled Axe, which I imagine is a place in Portland, Maine, um, where Allagash Brewing is located. I have actually visited Allagash back when we lived in Vermont. Uh, the first um, Thanksgiving that we lived in Vermont, Amanda was bummed because we weren't couldn't go home or she couldn't see some family and it was her birthday. Um, so we went out to Maine. Um, I took her to the beach cause she loves the beach, but of course the, uh, Portland, the Maine beach in, in, uh, in November, which was of course very nice and very cheap. Um, but we, uh, we visited Allagash Brewing, uh, back then there was only a few breweries in Portland, Maine. Now there's a, a bunch. Um, but, uh, 
yeah, there's, they uh, they had a really cool. They had all sorts of barrels. They aged stuff in. I mean, they're most famously known for their white beer. Um, I think that they still it's like eighty percent of their production is that. We don't get it in uh, Washington anymore. We used to, but uh, not anymore. Um, to to the chagrin of Amanda, because it's like her favorite beer. Um, I gave her a little sip of this on the way into podcasting, and she was bummed that I didn't share any more with her. But I said, "Sorry, it's the show beer. It's my beer." <laughs> um, That's right. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's, and I'll, I'll read the label. It's I already told you what it is, so I'll skip past yeah. that. But the flavor notes include vanilla, caramel, and a dash of cold brewed coffee. I mean, I you don't need to tell me that. That's fine. Like you don't That's need right. to tell me. But yeah, um, I, I'm getting a dash of cold brewed coffee and some vanilla. Um, maybe a little caramel as well is my tasting notes here. Um, but yeah. But anyway, so yeah, it's pretty tasty. Um, any uh, Belgian style, Algash does pretty well, um, which is pretty much all they do. They also do, they've even, they do a cool ship. The first time I ever heard about spontaneous fermentation was that trip to Algash Brewing. And they were talking about how they basically let the air inocu- inoculate their beer with yeast for for special versions of their beer and then they were going to blend it and i don't think they had released one yet but they had plans at that time but now they now they make a series they call cool ship which is the beer that you know they cool down the the wart into um and and let it be inoculated with natural yeast in there um but so they do that so i'm big i'm big fan of them they're an og brewery uh when i was in vermont drank hella allagash white all the time um, yeah, if you go to a lot of states in the U.S., they have Allagash White. It's uh, just an extremely better version of blue, than blue, of blue Moon, basically. Mm. Um, and generally costs about the same. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. Beer up top. Yeah. Just like the good old days. Just like the good old days. <clears throat> now that football season's pretty much over. Oh, not but quite. not quite. But not quite. Because we Cause have we one... Can... We have one hell of an interesting matchup. Yeah, we do. We've got, uh, and I'm sure, let me be the first one, the very first one to notice that it's the air raid against the Air Force, which ironically runs a ground-based game. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty crazy, the, the air raid, which is like, often been described like leech and mummy have described as being influenced by the triple option right um because it's about distributing to people in space and get it getting it to the you know making it hard for the defense to know who's going to get the ball um and and using the space of the field to your advantage right um so uh and now for the first time since obviously there's only a only the Air Force Academies and I, I I don't think does Georgia Tech doesn't run it anymore, do they? Not anymore. Yeah, nope. so it's only the Air Force Academy or the the service academies, the service academies that, yeah. that that run it because they have to because they their linemen are have to be small. <laughs> they, they, yeah, there's weight requirements for the uh, yeah for when by the time they graduate. But, yeah, they have, um, to, they have to really shrink by the time it's time to go. Yeah, so they have to lose about thirty pounds by the time they get out of there. At least, um, yeah. But uh, so, yeah, they, they have to obviously so they pick a system that's quick and agile and Air Force, um, all of the academies at, at certain points, particularly Air Force and the Navy have, uh, and Navy have uh, done really well um, yep. uh, with it, um, Army and in, in, in less often recently. But 
Um, but Air Force, uh, I mean, last year they hung 70 on, I can't remember who, in a in, in a bowl game. So it's... Uh, wasn't it Houston? Or yeah. No, it was, it, wasn't it Army that did that? Oh, was it Army it was that Army, did that? Yeah. Oh, Army okay. did it to Houston and that's they got right. okay. Major Applewhite fired, right? That's right. Yeah. And that's how, uh, that's how our friend uh, Dana Holgerson ended up at Houston. But that's, but there's, that's also, you know, um, that that's the danger of, you know, you're playing this, uh, system that you never, like it used to be like when, when Leach was brand new at Kentucky and at Oklahoma and at Texas tech, like people didn't really hadn't figured out the air raid yet. So you could just sling it around. Like some of those numbers you see are like crazy, crazy compared to what we, you know, they scored 80 points in a game once like it's insane. Um, but, uh, but so that's you know everyone now everyone air raids besides the service academies <laughs> like everyone air yeah. raids everyone air raids uh to to some extent so now it's you know it's become easier to defend but now no one knows how to defend the triple option no one does that <laughs> like right. so it's 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 a lot it's a lot uh it's a lot harder to do so if you um, do it at all you do it like once a year yeah right unless you're air force or army or navy and you're doing it twice right because you yeah, play play each the other. other academies so yeah it's uh it, it's gonna it's gonna be wild and i think the thing that's uh so actually know, Air's, air force hasn't been in a bowl game since 2016 so it's their first or is that right unless no one's updated this wikipedia it's possible yeah but i think probably you're right yeah so anyway it's you know it's gonna be interesting it, it's gonna be you know obviously contrast in styles uh you know two teams that are not particularly noted for their for their defense um which you know is is and i'm sure we'll dig into this more as as we get closer to it but you know as we've noted it's it's generally better for us to play another team whose strengths and weaknesses match ours versus the other way around because the right. you know our defense is so bad is so bad that we'll even make a bad offense look good but our, you know, offense isn't, you know, so overwhelmingly good that it'll make a good defense look bad. So, um, you know, I, I like the idea of, uh, of the air raid, you know, taking on, a, you know, perhaps a defense that's, that's not only not that great, but also um, not necessarily filled with the kinds of elite athletes that tend to give us, you know, the most trouble. Right. Um, you know, when we talk that the teams that we've had trouble with, it's been, you know, it's been Washington, it's been uh, Utah this year, it's been Cal the last couple of years, and those are teams that uh, feature big physical defensive lines that can get pressure with three or four, um, and then, you know, really long, fast, rangy guys, both in, in the linebacker core and, you know, in the secondary, and uh, at first blush, you know, without without having looked all that closely at Air Force, uh, they don't look like that, and so, uh, you know, I don't think uh, we'll have too much trouble moving the ball. I know people are talking a little bit about, you know, Gordo, I think needs just a little over 600 yards. I say just right, but a little over 600 yards to set the NCAA passing record, single season passing record. Uh, you know, it's possible. I do think it's, it's going to have trouble because I, unless our defense, yeah. Yeah. Unless our defense is giving up, you know, just explosive after explosive, which is possible. 
Like that, I would. I like how you him, say unless but... our defense is giving up explosives, not unless our defense can stop them. <laughs> our defense. There's some psychology shit. there. Yeah. Our defense ain't stopping anything, but you know, especially maybe, uh, this. I don't. Yeah. I. I mean, the reality is that you know options. Uh, they thrive on you know. It's all about discipline, right? It's it's right. the discipline that they have to make the right read, um, at any moment. You know, whether it's to hand off to the fullback, which, you know, if, if you've got a good fullback, they're going to get the ball a whole bunch or whether it's, you know, whatever, because it all ba- it's all based off the dive. Right. And so what they're looking at is, OK, where how's the defense key off the dive? And if they do this, then we'll do that. And if they do do that, then we'll do this. And, you know, it's all these wrinkles off of the dive and it's all based off of how sound you are. And our defense has been notorious this year for not being sound. Like, like I know they've got three weeks to prepare for it, but I mean, you know, I don't know if there's a worse matchup because I just, we are going to get gashed. Well, Oklahoma's offense would be a worse matchup. Okay. Okay. Fine. But I just mean like (laughs) stylist. I I just mean stylist. Like I, I, I will say a lot of like a lot of the bowl predictions until the last week had at San Diego state. And I was like, that sounds yeah. boring. That sounds so boring. Yep. Cause they're just, they have a really good defense, terrible offense. It's probably going to be boring, but this is more exciting. Like WC and could get run over. That. Yeah. We, we'd probably <laughs> lose, but I don't know. It's funny. Um, uh, air force is ranked higher in SP plus. It's actually probably one of the better yep. matchups in bowl season by yeah. SP plus it's WSU 25 air force 27, uh, two, uh, uh, the fifth best offense, 26th best offense, and then Air Force 56th best defense, WCU 94th. A great special teams matchup, number four versus number five. So That's good stuff right there. Field goals is are the uh, – um, I, I know Bill Connolly's talked about it. Like field goals play a huge part in your uh, special teams ranking, and WSU has a kicker who's missed uh, only one and is one a Lou Groza. Lou Groza Award nominee, yeah. top three. So, yeah, um, he's out. He's out having fun with that. Not taking his finals. Yeah, I guess is. I don't know how that works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, some things are more important than finals, Craig. Yeah, but yeah, Air Force yeah. is ten and two. Uh, that's uh, you know, how often do you play? How often do you finish uh, seventh in your conference and get to play a ten win team in your bowl game? Yeah. Well, yeah, I think it's cool, man. Well, it's funny. Like, I think um, it's cool. But yeah, so the the number six. Well, so yeah, you get a, a seven and five or a f- two losing in conference record teams. Washington, and Washington State, both play uh, two double digit win teams in the lower two bowls for the Pac twelve, which are um, <laughs> right. two of the higher bowls for the Mountain West. Yeah, uh, probably the two highest bowls for the Mountain West. Yeah, which it Mountain is the West two highest bowls. Mountain West gets in this one because the big the big uh, twelve. Big 12 didn't have enough teams. I think it was Big 12. Yeah, so the Big 12 didn't have enough teams because they have a team in in the in the college football playoff. But yep. But yeah, so I yeah. don't know. It's it's interesting, exciting matchup. We'll talk about it more. We have a lot yeah. of weeks until then that we're gonna have podcasts. So we'll talk about it more. Um, uh, what about what do you let's let's talk about the playoff? Like, what do you think, man? Uh, I mean, that the everyone made it real easy on the committee. This last weekend, obviously, WSU yeah. isn't going to Vegas because Utah laid an egg against Oregon. Stupid, stupid Utah. I know some <sighs> people cried some tears over over no Good Vegas Lord. bowl. Good Lord, I'm just like, come on, man! Like, 
I mean, I, I came on this podcast. I was like, Utah is clearly the best team in the Pac-12. They oh, we've, spank we've, Oregon. We've been saying that probably since since they beat us. Like you know, and yeah. if, especially after uh, we took Oregon to the brink. Should have beaten Oregon. Should have beaten Oregon, um, and then but had no chance at all against Utah. Yeah, in both road games, and so yeah. it. And that's basically Utah was just beating the hell out of everyone they were playing. And Oregon was kind of skating by quite a bit. And, uh, but you know, Oregon came out and beat their ass. Like, yeah, that's what was so weird. Like they just, I mean, they just bullied Utah. Like that's the part that I think got me the most was like of all the things I could have expected in that game. I, I did not expect Utah to get bullied. Like their their lines just got which which I thought were the best lines in the conference both sides yeah right and, and they just got whipped just whipped up and down the field by Oregon's lines I, mean, I don't know what kind of special motivational juice Mario Cristobal put in those guys' uh, pregame milkshakes but my God did they destroy Utah's lines and and, and my whole thought was man I really excited to see Utah get into the college football playoff because I think they've got the kind of line that could maybe, you know, compete against, uh, you know, against another good team. You know, in this case, it would have been, you know, LSU, right? Now, LSU probably would have wiped up, you know, the field with them. But (laughs) at least, you know, maybe they might have given them, you know, a solid shot, you know, for a time. And, and, And they just, I mean, Oregon just eviscerated them in the most, like, I mean, I mean, the word like neutered comes to mind. They just like, like literally they, they, they like grabbed their balls and crushed them and were like, what are you going to do? You know what I mean? And Utah was just, they were so shell shocked, right? Like that was the part watching it that was, that was the craziest. Like they just shit the bed and they just sat there in their shit and went, I shit the bed. Now what do I do? It's like. Oh my god! Like it was crazy. It was I, I don't know. Like how much of that game did you catch? Uh, I uh, I caught it. Like I, I watched in earnest probably after about what the you know midway second quarter and then to the end. Yeah, because we were watching the soccer game. Right. Yeah, and so uh, or whenever yeah whenever that ended, I switched over and then um, yeah you know I saw Utah make their comeback but it was even doing that it was kind of tough sledding for them and yeah um you could just see like utah was i mean oregon wasn't gonna let them do it and and it's crazy because you watched uh you watched uh washington and wsu move the ball on that oregon defense pretty easily and and pretty much everyone else has struggled to do that and i i don't know what it is about washington and wsu i don't but everyone else has seemed to struggle to move the ball against uh against oregon's defense which you know makes me wonder like if they would have not blown that lead to auburn or if they didn't punt that one in the desert like right they, they would have been number four like they would have definitely would have been number four and yeah uh so um I mean, they had I enough mean, preseason hype because that—that's the yeah. Because they would have got to have they, some preseason hype. Because even with even with that, you know, they were still right there before they lost to. They were still in good position when they lost to uh, Arizona State. They were still in a very good position. They were at seven, and so like they were right there. They were where Baylor was. You know, Baylor had if Baylor would have beat Oklahoma, that Baylor probably would have been that 
fourth team. It's kind of yeah, kind of crazy. Um, but it, it basically the uh, all the games worked out to make it very very easy for the yeah. selection committee because you didn't yeah. have Georgia beat LSU. Um, you had Utah get their second loss. Uh, you know, so all, the the two possible you know, and then obviously um, one of the teams was going to win the Big Twelve championship. So you you'd have that one one loss team remaining um again with the other three undefeated teams and so it kind of made it easy you know you didn't you didn't even have ohio state you know at it you had they had ohio state come back which obviously them that first half apparently lost them the first seed i don't know how that works but yeah um i don't know like it, it I, I thought it was kind of weird when ohio state dropped bounced jumped over lsu in the first place but uh yeah it, it, it's kind of weird now lsu's got a much easier semifinal game than yep. than LSU does, but uh, uh, yeah. Uh, which, by yeah. the way, that game is the day after in the, in the same general vicinity of the uh, Cheez It Bowl. It's actually the same company, like same whatever organization in yeah. parentheses runs it. Yeah, Fiesta um, Bowl runs it. Yeah, Fiesta Bowl. So uh, yeah, um, me and some friends, we were kind of looking at tickets. They're not very cheap. Um, but that would be a hell of a game to watch Ohio State and Clemson. Yeah. So if we can make it like, in, I think. So when you say not very cheap, like how not very cheap? Yeah, couple so hundred the, bucks? Yeah, yeah. So that yeah, the, uh, the there's a listed tickets at 110, but I, you can't buy them. I think they're probably selling them to the fans for the alums and stuff first. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, but on yeah on on StubHub Game Time. I did see some that were around 150, but I don't, I don't know how how long that'll last. And then, yeah, 200 bucks, whatever, to to get in the door and sit in the in the nosebleeds of uh, whatever the hell that stadium's called now. Yeah, the, Glen, the Glendale uh, Stadium. The Glendale Stadium. Yeah, yeah, that would be super cool though. Like that would be. I know, I know. But BA's BA and uh, Katie is uh, um, fiance are going down, so we're. We're uh, we're definitely looking at tickets, so I think that would yeah. be a that would be a hell of an experience, you know. You know, go well. Do since old... it's not my money, I will definitely tell you you should do it. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of crazy. Like, I've been thinking, like, if you're a Kook fan, you want to go to the Cheese It Bowl, just enter any contest that says like you can go to the semifinal somehow. Like, yeah. maybe it's maybe it's like geared towards Ohio State or Clemson fans, but just be like, no, no. I'm gonna enter it too. I can go to the Cheese yeah. Bowl and the because the Cheese Bowl tickets yeah. won't be won't be expensive. You'll be fine. Um, Although there is a there is a contest which you should enter um, with Pat McAfee, um, who is apparently the official spokesman for the Cheese Bowl, and they are constructing a two story Cheese It box and putting seats at the top of it, and they're giving away six trips to the bowl, and he, so there's seven seats, and him and six people sit up at the top. So you can win a trip to the bowl game, and uh, yeah. So that, yeah, but that means you got to sit up there with Pat McAfee. Yeah, I'm sure he's fine. He seems like a fun uh, guy. Yeah, you. I, I'll I'll allow everyone else to enjoy that. I yeah. want no part. Of, I want no part of that dude for three and a half hours. Oh, it's fine. You could be on the end, like you, like maybe it's seven maybe seasons. that's it. I'll be like, said, I'll just, I'll just sit over here. He said in the I'm video, gonna... he's gonna sit on the end, and then everyone else. That so, so because yeah, I you... could hear him from the other end, because that's all he's gonna do is yell for three hours. Maybe uh, he'll bun- maybe he'll bungee jump off the 
off the cheese it box. Ah! Yeah, but I bet there, I bet there's some free alcohol and and everything and yeah and, and, and involved in that. I think it'd be a, a hell of a deal and worth it, Jeff. You should win that. I, contest. You know what? I feel like that Alonzo Morning gif where he's sitting on the bench, you know, <laughs> and he makes that face where he's uh, like, nah, uh, and then he's like. Well, actually, maybe. Yeah, okay. You know, it's like that—that's what I'm feeling like, right? If there was enough alcohol involved, I'd, I, yeah, I'd probably figure, I'd probably figure out a way to get through it. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for this. Uh, yeah. um, going to the uh, if if we are able to go to the national semifinal, that'd be a hell of a hell of a uh, cherry on top. Um, I mean, when are you ever going to get to do that again? Yeah, obviously, going to the WC Bowl game, I. Last year, I desperately wanted us to win because I wanted those that eleventh win. I wanted to see Gardner go out, and you know, I wanted to see you know that magical season end right. on a high note. But this one, it's like, yeah, yeah, we're playing Air Force. Like, I don't feel terrible if they win. Like, I don't, like, yeah, <laughs> like I don't feel terrified I lose to those kids. Like, <laughs> it's like, uh, I don't, you know, whatever. Uh, it's well, you're it, in Phoenix. I it, mean, you know, it's Phoenix is a good place to visit. Yeah, it'll be like it'll be, nice. it'll be like sixty to seventy degrees, and yeah, yeah it won't be raining. And yeah, watch it. And rain it could now. be worse. You could be in El Paso or something. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah, it's not bad. You know, I'm probably gonna rent a car, head up to the Grand Canyon or something for a little yeah. bit. And, Go go to a brewery. Uh, I already talked about Rent House that I really wanted to go to. It's gonna be fun, um, and it's just uh, me, no no kid, nothing, just uh, having a good fancy time. Fancy free, fancy free. Uh, but yeah, so obviously, I mean, there's not a lot to talk about with the top four. There, that was pretty no, obvious. It was pretty obvious. Yeah, there was no uh, doubt. Um, it's pretty fun to see Alabama. You know, in not in a New York New Year's Six Bowl, uh, finally. Um, bummer for Utah. Uh, they got the ultimate punishment. Um, we saw uh, Wisconsin and Baylor didn't budge after losing their conference title games, but of course they put up a bigger fight and also, um, you could say, uh, well, obviously lost to top ranked teams. So right, um, different uh, a different ball game than losing to number twelve. Obviously. Oregon took a huge jump, but it kind of made sense uh, given the teams in front of them. Um, they went up to number six. Some people thought they were going to go up to number five, but um, they went up to number six. Uh, five or six doesn't matter. Seven, eight doesn't matter. Right. What really matters is 10 or 11 when you what have. What really matters is that Utah finished 11th. Yeah, 10 or 11 because, uh, well, obviously, you know, they say top 12, you would think, but uh, the Orange Bowl has that. The Orange Bowl has the tie-in where basically the second place SEC the team that loses the ACC championship, if they are in the top twenty-five, they automatically go. Um, and if not, then Notre Dame goes <laughs> um, if they are in the top twenty-five. Um, so that you know that tie-in exists. Last year, WSU was kind of screwed over by the the Sugar Bowl tie-in because they were ranked higher than texas but the second place uh team in the big 12 gets to go to the sugar bowl if the top team goes to the to the uh national uh to the college football playoff which obviously would happen with the orange bowl as well so you know that kind of locks in spots for teams that that probably don't really deserve a near yeah, six bowl. Weird, weird that the pack 12 doesn't i mean it does sort of with the rose bowl but that's the only one yeah they, you they, know, they don't have multiple in, 
they don't have multiples like you get into the you know the orange bowl which is like yeah we'll take the big 10 number two or the you know what what's the other one sec not sec orange bowl is acc what i just mentioned acc it's, acc well, it's, or big 10 right but there was so oh no the other one for sure it's sec it's sec or big sec 10, two. big 10 or notre dame right and it, anyway it's just the pac-12 gets screwed once again and you know, whatever. I mean, I understand. Look, yeah, know, there's Utah, no bowl that is listed as the number two uh, Pac-12 team yeah. that is I mean, in the Utah should have won the game, and you know, whatever. So I get it. But. Yeah, they would have been in the, at the very least in the Sugar Bowl. I right. mean, in the Cotton Bowl, and right. they probably would have been in the uh, uh, the uh, national uh, playoff. But yeah, they did not, and they weren't even close. So not nope. much of a not much of a debate to nope. be had. I think nope. Oregon is the team that probably has the most regrets at this point. I don't they're they're the one that was for sure gonna make it if they, you know, didn't yeah. lose that Arizona State. But I think they're pretty happy to be in the Rose Bowl. I think everyone's always pretty happy to that's the one thing about um if you if in the Pac twelve you, you kinda the, the the Rose Bowl has such a status that it's still kinda like, Oh, it's pretty good, you know? Like it's still in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Uh, the, I, I, I will be, say that that is the thing that the Pac-12 has and and the Big Ten has that you know I mean nobody else has you know the Rose Bowl is still seen as a really special game. Uh, there's still a lot of prestige there. Just you know, kind of blows that that's that's kind of the best we got. So yeah, uh, the, or know. the only we got, or the only thing we got. Well, it also it, it kind of I don't, yeah because the Fiesta Bowl used to be kind of Pac-12-ish tie-in, pac 10 Yeah, it used to be. But doesn't anymore. Now, it's basically what the Cotton Bowl was this year, where it was the uh, group of five top team versus an at-large. That's what the right. Fiesta Bowl so like was last, last year. year. It was, yeah. I think, what, LSU and UCF, right? Right, yeah. If I remember right. Yeah. So. And so this year it's uh, Memphis, who I think, like, I, I think, like, the, uh, keeping – they they kind of seem to keep the group of five teams together for like uh for suspense or something because you notice they're like 17 memphis 18 boise state and then like 19 was uh um appalachian state so they're like they're keeping them all right next to each other like oh yeah group of five teams uh one of you can be jumping over the other um but it's kind of like pretty dis like pretty big show of disrespect like to what the committee committee thinks of the American to where uh, a 12 and one team wins the American um, and uh, is 17th. So right. <laughs> um, obviously they still get that um, cotton bowl invite. So they're happy about that. But uh, that, that, that tells you in the eyes of the committee, the American and the mountain West uh, with Boise state at 18 being 12 and one. And the, uh, what is the Appalachian is in the Sun Belt, So obviously they're not, as uh as um or is it are they in conference no they're in sunbelt they're in sunbelt yeah, yeah. and so, which they've dominated since they came up to uh fbs but um but yeah so it shows that they're they're very clearly is a delineation in the in the playoff committee's mind between those com- those conferences and all the other conferences when right. you have when you have one loss teams that are 17 and 18 and 19 yeah. And then uh, you have a three loss team that's number eight. And, you know, so. Right. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, that's that's bared out for the most part in the games as well. You know, I think we all kind yeah. of, oh, UCF, you know, yeah, go give them hell. And then and then LSU just kind of slapped them around. It was like, yeah, 
you know, I mean, it's, you know, I think it's cool to see them get their shot. I don't, you know, it'd be nice if, you know, once in a while they, they showed up and, you know, did what Utah did to Alabama, whatever that was 15 yeah. years ago now. Boise but, State, Boise Oklahoma. State. And, yeah. Well, you see, so we haven't beat, had that in a while. UCF beat Auburn and won the national championship two years ago. So I don't know what you're talking <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 But I don't know. It yeah. depends on the team. Like sometimes the team does show up and, um, it, it's just like, I don't I think Memphis probably can give, uh, I think so. Penn State a good a good run. I think so. Uh, they're actually ranked thirteenth. Yeah, and, mostly because uh, I I don't think Penn State's all that good. So. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, so I think Memphis. Uh, be, yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're they got a great offense and they got a good enough defense. Yeah. So it's and they they should be. I don't know. I I wouldn't expect them to get smacked around, but who knows? Yeah. All right. Should we take a break? Yeah, let's take a break. All right, we're back. All right, we're going soccer or basketball. Let's go soccer, man. I'm still excited about that. Yeah, that was a real. That was, yeah, that was a that was a bummer of a game. Um, it it know, was we, awesome and bummer, right? Right. I mean, the start was amazing. Oh, it was like, about as perfect as it could have gotten. Yeah, just Morgan Weaver scores in what, like the sixth minute, seventh sixth, minute. I think it was a little bit later than that, wasn't it? Was uh-huh. it that early? I think it was like it was seventh like 13th minute. Thirteenth or so. I could be. Wrong. Um, but um, I'm often wrong. Yeah. No. No. Really. Um, no, no. Really. <laughs> <laughs> really. <laughs> really. I'm wrong sometimes. But yeah, I mean, they they go and play the 22 time national champion, um, the the team that can do five five person subs at once. Right. Um, and basically lose no, like right, no lose skill, no quality whatsoever, yep. and and they, uh, you know, they come in. They Morgan Weaver does her typical thing, of just a very typical Morgan Weaver goal where she just yeah works hard and and just makes a hell of a shot. Yep. Um. Yeah, and they they uh, uh, um, you know, took that early lead. Uh, you're right. It was seventh minute. It didn't seem that early, but yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, so it was the seventh was minute. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we could be more confident, man. But anyway, so, you know, they get that. And then we had a solid, like 25 minutes of just, holy shit. We could yeah. go to the national championship. Yeah. Like, holy shit. Like, this is crazy. Um, but it, even it was the whole game. Like, cause it felt, yeah. cause they, man, it was what you and I talked about this North Carolina, has the even WSU outplayed them, but North Carolina has the individuals that have the quality to make right. plays to punish your mistakes. Right. And the first goal, they totally did that. WSU uh, fucked up a clear, and basically uh, UNC makes just a, a perfect ball to to a runner into the middle, and then she yep. just hits a perfect shot to the corner of the net. Yeah. Um, to score that goal, which like it was kind of a you just have to be really good. Like, yeah, WC gave him the opportunity, but there's a lot of teams that would not capitalize exactly. on that. Like WSU gave him the opportunity. You could nitpick and be like, OK, they were a little high with their line. The keeper was a little slow off her line. And, you know, like there's these things you could be like, well, you know, you could have done this or that different. But I mean, ultimately, you know, they just they made a hell of a play. Right. 
Yep. So, you know, you just kind of, you know, you tip your cap and go, okay, you know, and then you get back to work, which, you know, the Cougars did. And then, you know, 15, <laughs> 15 minutes later, you, you, you had to tip your cap again. Yeah. That, that, that girl on UNC, I, I'm sure. Um, she we'll wasn't even a starter. She yeah. was one of the, she was one of the players off the bench. Mucha, Mucha Rara. Mucha Rara. She's enormous. Holy hell. Okay. So beast. it was so funny. So like before, right before she did that, like I'm, I'm, I'm watching her and she's just basically running around the field, destroying anything that gets in her path. Just, like, and I'm like, who is like, is this girl, like, is she an enforcer? Like, like, what does she do? She's just running around just like, like really just destroying people like yeah. hard tackles, you know, body shots. I mean, she like physical, 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 right? She had a real, like, uh, just a physical, pre- like, kind of like uh, if, if you, you know, you've seen, like, if you ever watch a game when, like, Josie Altador is in and, like, he's just such a larger physical specimen right. than the other people around right. him. Like, she was just so big and strong right. and yeah. fast. And, and so and- I'm like, I guess she's in there to just, like, knock some people around. All right. Well, it was, like, a minute later. She gets up the line and she just fires this laser across the face of the goal. And I'm perfect like, perfect ball. Yeah. Perfect ball to the far post. And, you know, so, you know, North Carolina had kind of, you know, this uh, runner to the near post to distract the goalie and, and, and it worked. And then, uh, you know, obviously the, the defender on the far post kind of didn't really attack the ball. And then, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, but the, she, they didn't, it was, just, I mean, it was hit so hard. Like, to attack yeah. the ball, they may have well had an own goal. Yeah, they yeah. Did. It definitely would have taken like a like a flick on or something to, yeah. to get it, you know, to, to move it on out of there. But still, it was, you know, and she was just, you know, unprepared for the runner at the far post. And right. the thing that was a bummer about it was that, you know, at halftime, you could tell that that, that, is, a, that is a thing that North Carolina likes to do. Because mm-hmm. Schulenberger got on the interview and was oh, like, was uh, we knew they were going to do that. <laughs> and we were prepared for it. And yeah, you could you could sense his frustration. Yeah, he was so frustrated because they had yeah. outplayed them. Yeah, largely, like, largely outplayed them. Better chances, um, throughout the game, and obviously the second half. Uh, I think WSU weathered a bit of a storm in the first 15, 20 minutes. Yep. But then the final twenty five, like, yep. WSU was getting chances, uh, particularly one uh, Morgan Weaver had a nice run. And then there was also a nice uh, shot off a kind of a deflection uh, that really tested their goalie. There was another from um, Gamora Stevens. She hit hit one to the to the uh, corner to the bottom corner, and and a, a Stanford's goalie made a save on or Stanford UNC's goalie made a save on it. Um, that obviously that Morgan Weaver one, she just just barely missed it. Yep. Um, so yeah, there was there was a lot of tense moments. It really felt like they were going to get that goal. Like it felt yeah. like it. But they yeah. didn't ultimately. Yeah, it was you know that those first like twenty minutes or so out of halftime, it was you know, North Carolina was really controlling it. Yeah, that was terrifying. Like yeah. it was like they're gonna get a third goal. But I then... felt like if they could just hang on, because honestly, it like I don't know if you, if you felt the same way, but to me, it felt a little bit purposeful in terms of strategy. Not not that they wanted to, you know, concede 
all that possession in North Carolina and absorb that much pressure. I think, I, I think if they had their druthers, they would not have maybe played under such, you know, relentless attack for 20 minutes. But I do think that they were, you know, just, I mean, you alluded were confident to it, right? in their ability to, yeah. I mean, the style that we play, uh, high pressing, you know, really attacking, attacking soccer, uh, you can do that for 90 minutes against, you know, a lot of teams. You can't do that for 90 minutes against North Carolina, not when they're bringing people off the bench who would start for pretty much any other start team for in the you. tournament. Yeah. Right? I mean, they'd start for you. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, they, they've got – they go so deep on their bench that it just – you know, just like like they're bringing you know future yeah. All Americans off the bench. You yeah, know, we they... basically we took we we like of our best players like Gamora Stevens came out for like the last five to ten minutes of this first half and then yeah. played the whole second half. I mean, the sub rules are kind of weird in, in college, um, um, but uh, yeah, uh, but players yeah, can go out and come back and yeah, the, a certain amount of times. Well, they can't come, they can't come back in the first half, but then they can start the second half starter and then and then if they come out in the second half they can come back in once or whatever. one time yeah yeah so but but it, so it's it's a little more confusing i think you know i was i was uh i was talking about this like if if this is a the classic three subs you know like professional soccer right like WSU wsu's is, got a better chance WSU have way better chance yep. but yep um unc is so deep Yep. And and you can get that deep when you have that sub rule because you can right. tell these, you can recruit these, all those players and yeah, be like, you hey, you're going to play. And, yeah, you're going to play 20, 25 minutes even as a freshman because we can rotate you in and you're yep. still one of the best soccer players in the country. Yep. You're still going to play. Um, so, yeah, like uh, once they came in and then you saw like uh, this is not a dip in quality at all. No. And yeah. But although I, when they brought them in, the second half, after a couple minutes, WSU was able to rein back, like take back control yep. of the game and get yep. chances. And it was a very yep. exciting uh, final uh, 30 minutes or so to watch or nerve wracking, exciting, whatever. But but it felt like, you know, you felt like this can happen. This can definitely yeah. happen. Um, and just a testament to how good they were like, or how well they were playing, like, cause yeah. they were playing the number two team in the country and like, they went toe to toe. Yeah. Like there was no point where you uh, were like, Oh, they were pretty lucky to be in it. They just got a couple of good chances and finished them. Like they, you know, the, the North Carolina coach said, you know, I feel lucky that we're, <laughs> we're advancing. They had the better chances, you know, yeah. they, they outplayed us. And, and in soccer more than any other sport, I feel, uh, Outplaying a team doesn't equal a win always. Right. And even often equals a loss. Right. So, yep. Um, yeah. So it, yeah, because it, you know, Stanford's a team that beat WSU 5 0 earlier in the season. UNC went and played them and they went all the way to penalty kicks 0 0. Yep. So I think WSU was playing at a, a just a complete, completely different level. Um, the, the commentators were talking about how Morgan Weaver was just uh, attack, like just dominant, like the first. 30 minutes of the game was completely destroying UNC every time she was on the end of a ball and just yep. stretching the field with her runs. And, um, and Gamora Stevens was just fantastic. And, and a cool thing to see because of this run. Um, I, I think it's very much because of this run, like you yeah. can say Weaver was on the under 23 team already, but, um, but, uh, so the, 
U.S. soccer is having a basically uh, they call it an identification camp. So it's a, it's right. a basically a young players camp to try to identify the next level of uh, stars for the next world. You know, the once all these current World Cup stars we have are you know too old, and a lot of them are um, to have that next round of players and uh, um, and. A couple of other players uh, couldn't play because of injuries suffered in the College Cup. And so uh, Morgan Weaver and um, Gamora Stevens get um, uh, they got pegged to uh, join that camp, which doesn't involve any games, but it's a cool uh, chance to kind of show what they got oh, against, super cool. against a lot of uh, young NWSL players. Yeah. So I think it's about. If I remember right, it's like uh, like fourteen pros and like ten college players or something yep. like that. Yep. Um, so they're going to get a chance to show what they can do against against some uh, high quality competition, and you know perhaps get on you know get on the radar. That that's the hardest thing when it comes to breaking into a to a national team is just, just kind of getting somebody's attention, right? Um, you know, showing that you belong. And the best way to do that is is a camp like this. So it's super cool. They got called in as injury replacements, which who yeah. cares how you got there, right? Well, like and the thing, if if they wouldn't there. have made this run in the tournament, I, who knows? Like they, there's probably a good decent chance this wouldn't have happened. So they were able to show because a lot. Like I've heard from some smart people that Gamera Stevens was like the best player for WSU. The best player in the tournament, yeah. Which often WCU. when you, when you are a midfielder, often you know you're setting up goals for the for the forward and right and they're, and they're getting the glory and but everyone you know knows that you're the the player but uh so yeah she was uh yeah she she showed out against some of the best teams in the country and weaver showed out against some of the best teams in the country weaver was already kind of under their rate on their radar but uh gomera stevens i don't think i'd ever uh, been at any of these uh I don't know. She may have been, but um, I don't think she'd been at the under 20 camps or under 23 camps or anything like that. Um, so it's pretty cool opportunity for her. Pretty cool opportunity for Morgan Weaver. And, and uh, yeah, so um, good job. Yeah. Good job. And, WC soccer. Uh, Makia Minnis, right? She's going to what, under 20 U, team. The U20, yeah. t- the U20, yeah. right? Yeah. And she, by the way, she was yeah low key maybe our best player in that game against North Carolina. And she was dealing with she was a wrecker. And on she the was dealing line. with some ballers, man. Like and yeah, she was, no, she was just like killing people with with tackles and just interceptions. Like she was everywhere. Yeah, those the two goals that UNC scored were by far their two like very best chances and they didn't yeah. really have another like very very clear chance right other than that like and so they capitalized on their they had two some chances shots. they had some shots but they didn't really test um they weren't really like that big of tests like there was no yeah. diving saves like uh Diedrich was you know other than those two goals which and there need, were none which... where you really felt like you got let off no right? yeah like it wasn't like oh man we were lucky North Carolina missed that they, you know they just like you said didn't create a ton of chances like serious big chances. Yeah, and so you have you know uh, Minnis is sophomore and obviously she's the the hero that sent us to the to the conference to, to the College Cup and yep. and then she uh, I mean obviously and then just her defensive performance against UNC like 
I don't know how you, you, you definitely see that, you know, obviously, uh, Theo Lawson had tweeted out right before the, the match on Friday, how there was us soccer was there, which yeah, you would hope so, but like they, <laughs> but, uh, but obviously, um, these three players impress them and they, yeah. and they, uh, they, they get a chance to impress them further and it's cool. I mean, it'd be really cool if there was like a friendly attached to this or something. Yeah. But, yeah. So we can watch uh, them play. But they're not, because basically what I read is that they basically given all the, um, all the world cup players a time off until, <laughs> and uh, which they very much deserve uh, absolutely. because they have not, not only did they, they have the world cup, but then they went on a, they came back and the domestic league was still playing and they also played a series of basically, uh, you know, victory money tour grab friend- games. Yeah, money grab victory tour friendlies. They take uh, my players away from the range. Yeah, that's a sports person of the year, Megan Rapino. Oh yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I still got a um, B. I think I mentioned before she has a goat uh, stuffed animal. Yeah, and yeah, it's one of her favorites to travel around with, and and it's called Pino. Might have yeah. to change it to Morgan, though. I don't know. Might have to. I don't know. But I, I don't know. So Morgan Weaver is from University Place, which yeah. if you don't know where that is, it's it's basically <laughs> right Tacoma. Right next to Tacoma. Yeah, it's it's inside of Tacoma, it's basically. It's basically Tacoma. Yeah. And, but don't and tell them that. Don't oh, tell no. them that. Don't tell no, them no. that. No, they got the they have the Whole Foods and they have You're the, from Tacoma, right? They now. have the Harbor Greens. I'm from University Place. Yeah, yeah. What what university is there? None. There is yeah. no university. Well, in by the way, did you place. know that that was that was the deal? They were trying to lure. Yeah. I think it was UPS. They were trying yeah. to lure Puget Sound to their city, and so they changed the name and called it University Place, and then they didn't get the university. Well, UPS <laughs> is in my hood. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the uh, but yeah. So I'm you know I I tweeted at uh, Rain FC. Come on, bring her home. Yeah, got to do that. Like that would be, whatever it is, make whatever trade you got to make. But she's, dude, I will, I would, I would buy a Rain FC to. Weaver jersey immediately if she played on the Rain FC. Like that would yeah. be, I would buy one for B as well. Absolutely, like, yeah, I'd but, yeah, I'd buy one. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah, and uh, by the way, a lot of our, uh, you know, a lot of players coming back. Uh, they'll lose oh, yeah. Morgan Weaver. They'll lose uh, Avery Collins, who were both, you know, sort of key cogs. Not sort yeah. of. We're very Definitely. key cogs. But Gamera um, Stevens but comes back. And... Stevens comes back. Elise Bennett comes back. Minnis comes so back, be, obviously. Yeah, Minnis comes back. So that'll be uh, – and then they had uh, the freshman, uh, 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 Frimpong Ellerson. Yes. Yeah. Uh, freshman. She's awesome. And, and who knows? Maybe, She's going to be great. Maybe get a graduate transfer, yeah. uh, a, a big one like this year. And, uh, yeah. Well, and, you know, I mean, who knows what the payoffs are for, for something like this? Yeah, you know, some, I mean, this, yeah. you know, you've been in the tournament year after year after year, sweet 16s, then you push through for a college cup and it's not like it's just one, you know, m- magical run. I mean, it is in some sense, but it's, it's, you know, it comes in the context of, you know, lots of appearances, um, I know that Wazoo is building a pretty cool, you know, fan culture um, over around the team in Pullman. So, you know, I, th- I think, you know, it becomes a more and more desirable place to play all the time. You know, UW is um, they're going through a coaching change now. You know, the, the longtime coach is retiring. So, you know, I think uh, I think well, the yeah, chance you, is there. You talked about Avery Collins. She was a graduate chancellor yeah, from Stanford. From Stanford. So like that level of player was like hell yeah i'm gonna go yeah i'll go to this program okay because she knew she was gonna go play in the postseason and yep um she damn near played her former team like they were that close so close 
So close. Oh, by the way, did you see the uh, the clips of the Stanford goalkeeper after she uh, saved uh, the the last penalty she saved? I did not see that. Pretty awesome. You should go yeah. look it up. Um, right, I'll have to check that <laughs> yeah. out. I did see the last goal. That that was on Twitter. I saw the winning yeah. goal. But, but you got to see um, uh, the, the goalkeeper when she uh, saved it right before the last goal. And uh, her celebration is pretty awesome. So. All right. Seems like I'll a pretty intense person. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, yeah, so next year, I mean, I don't, I don't see any reason why they're not going to be good. You know, I, I wouldn't expect college cups every year, but maybe they can, you know, maybe they can, uh, maybe they've built that culture, built that program to the point where they, they obviously built it to the point where they have the talent level if they are able to play at their t- top level to beat the best teams in the country, which is what yeah. they did. They, and then they played, they bit, so they beat two top five teams and took another top five team to the brink. Yeah, um, unbelievable. Outplayed a top five. I mean, what a, what a season. Um, I think probably at some point um, in these next couple of weeks, we'll probably have a podcast talking about the best stories of 2019. And I don't know how that's not going to be number one, but <laughs> um, yeah, there's probably no way that's not going to be number one. Um, but uh, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm really excited. It's fun. I need some goddamn college cup gear, though. And I don't know where I can yeah. get this. Like, I want WSU college cup gear uh wazoo ncaa like come on man. come on give me that give me that gotta make this happen i know I, i've searched for it i haven't seen it yet like i saw if someone was at the game and bought and like took a picture of the shirt i'm like can you buy like a thousand of them bring them on up we'll pay high, top dollar yeah um but uh, yeah, so uh, I, I hope we're able to get some of that. I would love a, a WSU so, College too. Cup shirt to wear proudly with my uh, MLS Cup Champs shirt and my uh, yeah, I'm down and, with that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. Next year we got to figure out a way to I don't know maybe get over there early enough to watch a watch a soccer game. Yeah, it just it's just uh, it comes down to uh, you know going a lot of times like they're the day before. Uh, a football game and right. so if i'm be over there anyway you know but i always don't go till saturday you don't so go till saturday making that trip over on uh on no, friday. maybe they'll have a game on it maybe it's a maybe it's a deal where it, well they do sunday. have them on they have had them on sunday but i always watch like, it's always been i've had to get out of town but they, they have had them in the afternoon on sunday so yeah, we should maybe make I'll just, that happen. yeah we should make it happen for we sure. should make that happen yeah so uh when's basketball going to go to the final four um, how many years we got to wait for that? We'll see how many. Uh, so, uh, 2008 was the first year that WSU went to the NCAA <laughs> tournament in soccer. <laughs> and then they went every year, but two until yeah. 2019. Um, so, uh, so, if, if this year we go to the NCAA tournament, um, <laughs> it'll be 11 years on the dot that we will years. be in the final four. All right. I only got to wait 11 years. I'll still be alive, I think. If someone told me that WAC was going to be the final four, like it's going to happen, something, in like, eleven I'd probably, years, like I, I'd probably be such a careful, like I'd just be like living very carefully for the next eleven years. Like, <laughs> I want to make sure I see this. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you got to be riding high after uh, after beating New Mexico State. I mean, yeah, like I know uh, we beat New Mexico State in football. New Mexico State is like a team barely hanging on to fbs in football but in basketball you know they're basically the 
the best team in their con- they're the best team in their conference year in year out in the WAC, and um, they're uh, they've been a top 100 program uh, pretty consistently over you know since Reggie Theus and then on and uh, um, so this is you know they did have a couple of good players uh, but um, who cares who cares the, we don't was, care. That was a very good, like it was. It was a very encouraging defensive performance yeah. um, because we've had a few recently, particularly down in uh, in uh, the Cayman Islands, that were a little worrisome. Like, okay, maybe they can't turn this defense around as fast as we can thought we thought, but right, that New Mexico uh, defense was uh, was stifling. Um, they uh, New Mexico State's a very good at offensive rebounding team. They uh, for the first half, completely shut that down. Second half, a little less, but overall, the whole game, they definitely held them below their their uh, typical output. And and so it was just uh, um, it was it was it was encouraging from a lot of fronts. Obviously, the the offense wasn't great, but we're, I don't I don't think we're going to see that be good this year. Um, yeah, but basically, not hardly they, at all. they held their own on the glass against a very good offensive rebound team. They yeah. they. A pre- against a pretty solid offensive team um they they did well that they, they capitalized on what that team so they they prevented what the team does really well which is uh offensive rebounding and then they capitalized on what they don't do well which is giving the ball away um so it was very encouraging to see that that the, that um this staff can uh kind of play to the opponent's strengths and weaknesses and and put forth a very good defensive performance i i knew you have a stat for what the points per possession was and uh you tweeted out and i think yeah. you should repeat it here because it's pretty fucking hilarious <laughs> so i went and looked like it was it, after the game over you know we as we've talked about on the podcast you know it's a, efficiency is points per possession right so the, rather than looking at raw you know points scored or points points given up uh you know looking at how like how many points they actually score per possession and so uh, in this game, WCU gave up just a hair under point zero point eight zero points per possession. Uh, for context, an average performance this year is just a little bit under one point oh points per possession. Which is so, insane. <laughs> so basically, we're like that. That was like a twenty percent better than average performance and then when you take into context that uh new mexico state's a better than average offense like you're talking this is a really good defensive performance right yeah so basically new mexico state against an average team would be expected to go 1.03 points per possession and so we held them you know about you know 0.25 points per possession you figure you know 70 possessions that's uh you know whatever uh 15 points 18 points below their average right something like that so um so yeah so really really good defensive performance and so i looked and i was like holy shit that's the fourth time we've done that this year held a team under 0.80 now most of the other teams have been you know not great teams right especially offensive offensive right teams that have been bad offensive teams and so i was like ah you know 0.80 you know i wonder how many times ernie did that last year so then i went and looked and i was like Oh, once. Okay. How about the year before that? Oh, once. How about the year before that? Oh, zero times. You know, I just kept going back and then I figured out it was four times in five years combined that the Cougars held teams under 0.80. And it's happened four times in 
10 games <laughs> under Kyle Smith. I'm just, yeah. So it's nice. It was fun to watch. It was really fun to watch. They, you know, the turnovers were in full effect. They were, they were all over those turnovers, um, doing what they've been doing. Uh, unfortunately they were in full effect for us as well yeah Uh, yeah that was mostly Jalen shed he did not have his best game taking care of after after having one of his better games but yeah and they got sloppy late too that was kind of part of it definitely did uh when that kind of token press that new mexico state pushed out like really gave them trouble yeah i was kind of disappointed but you know they've seen it now they can coach to it they can teach to it um still a bunch of guys a lot of guys who have never played with each other much um yeah so um, and the rotation's getting mixed up a little bit, too. Yeah. So um, Isaac Bonton sat out against Idaho, um, came back in this one, didn't play. I think he only played about 15 minutes. I don't yeah, know I was wondering if was... he's still coming back from the sickness that he had or if uh, maybe they just kind of were like, eh, maybe I you mean, just haven't I been playing well. I the former, but yeah. the but offense. But he really has been shooting so poorly yeah. and shooting so often. That it's kind of like, yeah, sometimes there's a little bit of an addition by subtraction. For sure. Like he's the definitely, shot selection was a lot better. He's definitely one of uh, maybe him and Ellaby that really can get their own shot. But he just does such a poor job uh, with shot selection and uh, really hasn't finished layups well. And... Um, yeah, so it really hasn't shot well. I'm hoping he has some sort of midseason surge, which we've seen before. But um, yeah, well, and sometimes of... those things can happen too. Like right now, when you know you sit out a couple games unexpectedly, and then you know you kind of reset a little bit. But the I, offense figures a couple things out. I do think part of the uh, the turnover jump you see is bond like you're seeing the ball in the hands of shed more and less in Bonton and, and shed is t- typically his whole career has not been great at taking care of the ball. Um, even when he was at Texas state and he's been particularly bad this year. Um, and then you have, you take Bonton out who's been very good at taking care of the ball. Right. Um, he, he, he gets his turnover by way of a 35 foot fadeaway, but, <laughs> pulling um, three, but, uh, yeah, uh, off the dribble. Yeah. Pulling a 30. Yeah. Or just like taking a thirty footer in rhythm for some reason yeah. <laughs> with ten seconds of the shot clock. Okay, okay, <laughs> yeah. sure, dude. Uh, he hits them occasionally, and you're like, what? But um, yeah, so, but I, I don't know. Like, I, I still think that he'll turn it around to a point. I think he slowly I has. He's turned it like he's been shooting a little bit better um, from his horrid start. Um, because he definitely has a skill set that you see, and he's athletic, and I think he's pretty good defensively. He, I don't, he's not as good as um, Shed defensively, uh, but I don't. It, ideally, the lineup would be him and Shed, like the the two and the uh, as your kind of like go to yeah. uh, backcourt. Not not Gervais yeah. as much. Um, yeah, because Gervais I, I, I seems mean, Ger- to be. He's just such a limited offensive one, player, he, and and so he. He started the season okay, but he's definitely been declining, you know, and he's still shooting a ton of threes. And you're like, why? <laughs> like, you know, um, yeah, he should really never shoot. Yeah, he spe- like, ever. Yeah, and he, well, particularly, he doesn't. He doesn't get. He he seems like the type of player who, in the past, like lived on getting to the rim, but he doesn't do that very well at this level. No, and so he doesn't get to the rim that often. So you see him pulling up. A lot, but which is something that uh, Smith talked about. You mentioned to me because you were able to hear it. 
Um, there were less pull-ups um, in this game. I feel like Bon Tom's probably not playing as much as a big part of that. Um, I think so. But, but Ellaby didn't seem to – he seemed to – Ellaby was uh, like exactly what you want out of your like go-to guy in this game because yeah. he, he just – he wasn't shooting particularly well and he hasn't been like his three point percentage, 29% is like he shot 41% last year as a freshman. Like you would not expect him to shoot this poorly. Cause he's not taking that different of shots. Like he, he hasn't been like, he, he does take some tough threes, but he's not taking off the dribble ones. He's taking feet set threes. And so you would expect him to shoot a little better. Um, but but he just, uh, for the first time this year, I would say, just to, instead of stopping and pulling up for that 15-footer, just went all the way to the basket, and he yeah. um, was rewarded with many, many free throws. And that, in turn, got the rest of the team a lot of free throws, So, um, which was nice. Like, because they were, in the, they were in the bonus with like 10 minutes left, and that, yeah. was, that was huge to keep the offensive afloat while New Mexico State was going, had run and and kind of caught up to them after they had a big lead, um, hitting the just basically WSU went a long time with like one field goal, but they hit a bunch of free throws, and so they were able to through defense and just getting to the free throw line, kind of stretch the lead out to the point where it was no longer yep. a risk. You know, it's no longer a risk that were, they were going to lose anymore, which was which was good to see. Like they found that way, like in, in the difficulty of this offense so far, Ellaby was able to kind of assert himself. And then some of the other players, you know, um, were able to re- reap the rewards of that. We saw Pollard get a lot of free throws. Um, kind of, I think he Pollard does a lot better when he is not that, you know, they've been posting him up a lot and he struggles when he becomes that focal point. And it was funny, like in the first half, WSU got a lot of open threes because New Mexico state was doubling Pollard. And then they quit doubling him in the second half. And those threes weren't open anymore for the first, you know, 10 minutes of the half. Yeah. But then Pollard became this kind of option where Ellaby or whoever was driving or shed or whoever was driving the ball. And he could be that option the dump off or offensive rebound or whatever. And he was able to get to the line, which is huge down the stretch, um, just to kind of step because New Mexico. This was a game of runs, right, man? You said that to me. Yep. Like yeah, it was. It, it was WSU went out on a run, and then New Mexico State went on a run, and then WSU answered back with their run, and and really kind of put it away. At yeah, that point. if you yeah you you were pointing out the uh, the um, win probability. So WSU went on a sixteen-two run in the first half. Uh, then New Mexico State went on a 14-2 run in the second half to pull within three, and then WSU went on a 12-2 run to kind of put the game away. Um, that that was kind of the story of your game. Like uh, the win probability graph is pretty crazy. Like uh, WSU once it went on that run never was below 50%, but it was all pretty much at 50% when uh, when Oklahoma State or New Mexico State pulled within three because they are the higher rated team. So um, they'll get that kind of benefit of the doubt. Um, but yeah, I think overall a great win. Um, definitely the best win of uh, Kyle Smith's yeah. tenure so far. Um, hopefully they can, they got uh, uh, UC Riverside is the highest rated team they have left in the non-conference 224. And then you have 
um, some horrible teams. Um, yep. When the students are gone, yeah, they um, really ought to win. They should. They, win they the should last win out. So until nine and Pac-12 play. Nine and four is, uh, you know, given the, you know, they, they, so we've seen, like last year, you look at the non-conference schedule, and they played, um, in the non-conference, uh, some top one hundred teams. Um, so like New Mexico state twice and then San Diego, uh, yep. but all the other ones were over 200 or close to 200, but you had some kind of teams that are kind of at WSU's level right now. Um, it would have been nice to see them get any of those games, but they didn't. So they lost to Colorado state and Nebraska and Santa Clara and Nebraska, Omaha. Um, hopefully though, um, because it's a new coach and a new system, new players. I hope that we can see improvement. I hope these next four games can really help them kind of in a less tense atmosphere because um, there's a couple winnable games right out of the gate in impact 12 play with UCLA at home and Cal on the road. So um, you're hoping that they're ready to go by the time those come, come around and, and they can, you know, get some wins because it gets pretty tough after that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think USC or UCLA or Cal are any great shakes. I mean, that's, you know, those are winnable games. USC is yeah. okay. Are you listening to me? Yeah, I mean, it's. Did you I listen am. to what I just said? I, I am. I'm just saying, like. No, 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 you know, no. I mean, no. Did I just say that right out of the gate in the Pac 12, they have a couple winnable games in UCLA and Cal? I, I did say that. I also threw you. No, USC I said there, that. By the way, I said that, and then you I repeated know. what I said. You're not I, listening to me. Whatever. What are you looking at while I'm talking, Newsom? I'm looking at USC 59, UCLA 120, Cal 190. That's what I'm looking at. This is what I'm saying. Right before you <laughs> talked, I I said hope they can prepare going into Pac-12 play because they have a couple winnable games in UCLA and Cal. And then you said, well, I don't know. And they got a USC. couple winnable games in UCLA. So you repeated what I said. You're not listening to me, new sir. It's true. I don't know. Whatever. <sighs> but then it gets tough after that. So let's get those. Uh... <laughs> uh, did we already say they should win the last four games of the non-conference schedule? Did I already say that? Yeah. I By did. the way, we, we slipped to number two in turnover percentage. I know. Well, that's they had a they had a rough game against uh, New Mexico State. I know, but hey, just to circle around to something else really quick. Uh, last year, C.J. Ellaby uh, percentage of his threes that were assisted was seventy three percent. Yeah. This year, percentage of his threes that are assisted is fifty two percent. So, evidence there that perhaps the shots he's taking are are more difficult and isolated and not necessarily off of a pass, which are much higher, uh, much higher likelihood of going in. This is according to uh, hoopmath.com, by the way. Yeah. Um, I, so it, something's curious about, he never seems to catch ready to shoot. Like he always seems to catch and then he sizes up the defender and sometimes he takes a little jab step and shoots a three or, you know, like hand down, man down, shoots a three. Right. But he never seems to like catch and then let it fly, which yeah. is interesting. I don't, maybe, maybe they're kind of telling him to look for the drive first or maybe whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. He, he doesn't, so yeah, uh, off assist less, um, which is kind of interesting given that I think that our offense is, uh, 
um, let's say the assist percentage is one of the worst in the one country. of the worst in the country. So yeah, the ball just yeah. doesn't move in this offense yeah. um, because it's and that's, we're not really yeah, and a lot of that. I think some some of that is you know they're they're really not doing much with offense right now. They're just not. Um, so that's yeah, some of is, it. This is some very of, reminiscent of like Dick Bennett's yeah, two, early, three early seasons. Yeah, like yeah. yeah. So like when it looked like nothing on offense, and you're just kind of hoping that your talented, most talented players can save your ass and yeah, make enough shots. And yeah, you survive. Um, so I think there's some of that. I, you know, I also think some of it is just, you know, they, they've they empowered C.J. Ellaby to, to kind of do whatever he wants. Uh, they clearly empowered Isaac Bonton to do whatever he wants. Um, that may not have been the greatest idea. Yeah, in the that's world. not working out so far. No, and so to have him out for a couple games, and, and I'm not going to go so far as to say, like, oh, they're better off without him. Like I, like, I don't think that's it, but I do think that what you saw the last couple games was, you know, when when you remove that from the equation and when – you know, the team is maybe to some degree forced to be a little more patient and move the ball a little bit and, you know, work things. I mean, heck, in the first half against New Mexico State, they went with some serious, like, old school uh, post offense with Pollard, right? You know, you said they were right. doubling Pollard, and it's like they were running the offense through Jeff Pollard, right. <laughs> which was sort of like really funny to watch, but it was like, I mean, he was making good decisions and throwing the ball out of the double team and, and it was working, you know, I mean, it really was, it was like a throwback to like a late eighties, early nineties offense. You know? oh, it was so weird to watch. Like it just, was, it was super weird to watch. You just don't see that very like much. I felt like anymore. I was watching like, yeah. Like if you go to like a, like if you watch a mid nineties NBA game, yeah, like, like dump it down and then everybody stands around, you know, waiting for a, Waiting, waiting for, for the, what, the double to right, commit. waiting for the defense to to show itself, and then you know, okay, well, you know, if they don't double, okay, I'm going to take them in the post, and if if they do double, I'm going to you know, I'm going to throw it out, and we're going to reverse it and try and get a shot. You know, it's just like it was. It was just it was funny, man. It was funny, and it and it worked, which was which was even funnier. Was <laughs> yeah. that it was totally working? Yeah, so. in the first half, it worked really well, um, especially because we were hitting the open looks and. Uh, but then they stopped. They just stopped doubling Pollard. Yeah, in the which was you know probably smart, smart. <laughs> because he's not that good. I mean, he's he's okay. He's having an okay season. I don't I don't want to bag on the guy, but um, certainly I I I would not double team him if I was another coach. Yeah, in the post, so, he, he's nowhere near an automatic bucket. If you no. don't, um, especially no. New Mexico State had big enough bigs to contend with him. So it was you know it's. Uh, uh, but he, you know, he did a great job in the first half. He did a good job in the second half, just uh, drawing fouls and getting to the yeah. line. And and I think overall that was one of his better games he's had this year. Yeah. Um, so I was very pleased with what he did, and I was pleased with how they were able to use him that way. Um, can they do that in Pac-12 play? I don't know. No. But, uh, um, nope. Speaking of what they can do in Pac-12 play, what do you think of Tony Miller? Uh, I'm great, awesome. And Pac-12 play is probably not going to look like that, but you know, yeah, he's, he's, he's doing some nice stuff now. I mean, he's he's a six-six power forward, right? You know, I mean, sometimes. <laughs> I mean, unless you're, I mean, I don't know what's what's the list of six-six power forwards that have been effective. Charles Barkley. I don't know. Like, uh, I I don't know. Wasn't like Jovan Catron at at Oregon? Wasn't he yeah. about that size? And he was about 
six foot six wide as well. Yeah, he was like super wide and long arms and strong and very yeah. very athletic. Well, and the thing was when I uh, when Miller transferred and I kind of looked at his stuff, I, I I thought he was a small forward to be honest. Right. Like when I when I I kind of looked at his stats and kind of I was trying to figure out okay he might he, he's a small forward okay great, um, and then you know, you see him and you're like, no, he's a power forward. Like he's that, that's how he's built. That's what he does. Uh, he's not a ball handler. Like he's, he's a stretch for, and he's, he's just, he, he's really too short and of limited athleticism to really be of much use during PAC 12 play, but, but he's going to play. He's going to play. Cause he has to, I mean, yeah. you've got no, uh, you know, you, you lost your, your transfer power forward, you know, yeah, to a heart condition. So, yeah. Uh, you know, Deion James goes out with, with a heart infection, and so he's not playing anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, so, you know, Tony Miller's, he's probably going to play. Mark Ovechkin's going to play. Uh, you know, it's, it is going to be interesting to Which see I, how I, they – Like, Jazz Koontz is the the starting power forward. but Right, um, who's, you know, 6'8 and 190 pounds. So. He's only playing 56% of minutes despite starting, like, to the point where um, – like Kempom doesn't even consider him a starter because he's not in the top five of minutes, um, right? But um, and he, um, Kuntz is kind of a wild card. I, I think basically, if he can knock down those corner threes, he's going to be a great asset. But if he doesn't, yeah. then it's like, yeah, he's got to stretch the defense because he's yeah. not strong enough to really do anything else. Yeah, uh, can't really score around the basket. Can't really put the ball on the floor. Um, you know he's he's and he's he's not a great rebounder either, so it's just kind of like, you know, he's really got to hit some threes to to, you know, make his presence yeah. justifiable. That's a, that's and, a we none of our none of our big guys are great rebounders. No, um, which is sort of frustrating. I mean, Pollard's definitely I think out of like just commitment to rebounding has done a little better this year, but still not what you would want out of he's, your center. He is one of the worst players I've ever seen at timing when to jump off the floor. Yeah, he's so yeah, he's 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 very good fundamentally boxing out and Oh, he's great at boxing out. But he and just, he gets uh, his hands on a lot of balls. He gets a, he gets a lot of bounce, you know, But he doesn't get two hands on a lot of balls. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's just uh not great. Although he did there was uh uh an offensive rebound he timed really well and I thought of you because I know you yeah. said that to me, like yeah. uh, against New Mexico State, and I'm like, take that, Jeff. Yeah, and and like I, I want to make sure listeners understand. And like, I, like I don't dislike the guy. I'm glad he stayed. We needed him. Really oh yeah, bad. I can't imagine what. No, uh, like, we would oh need. my god, like what kind of shape we'd be in in the front court. Um, but you know, I mean, he's just he's you know like a lot of guys on this team, he's just limited, and that's. Yeah. You know, that's that's sort of the downside of what, you know, Ernie Kent recruited, right? I mean, Ernie Kent recruited a bunch of, you know, very one-dimensional players. And, you know, he was... Well, Ernie like, Kent didn't know Pollard could shoot threes, so... Yeah, how about that, right? But, you know, I mean, it's... Uh, you know, all these players that can do, like, one thing. And and that was, you know, a lot of the problem, you know, the last couple of years. You know, it's but like I guys... I would say what Pollard is doing right now offensively is exactly what you want out of what he is roughly yeah. like a fourth option. Like yeah. that's what he wants is what, what he's doing offensively is exactly yes. what you want your fourth he's option. He's finishing to do. with some efficiency. Yeah. For sure. And he pops out, hits a three every once in a while. Yeah. Like he he's making his free throws. I wish he would get to the line more as a big As guy. long as he just doesn't fall in love with the threes. Yeah. You know, and doesn't force the post shots you know yeah, which he there. does on occasion he does occasionally which 
you know, whatever. I mean, people Which sometimes that. in this offense, it's like, whatever, take that. We don't know what else is coming. Sure. So. Sure. I do hope to see Markovetsky more. Yeah. In, in, I'm, I'm a little in, disappointed we haven't seen him more already. Yeah. He really, um, yeah. Cause, but with, with four games coming up against teams that they should win rather comfortably against, yeah, the, the most that seems like a good opportunity. The most he's played in a game is 10 minutes. And he didn't play against New Mexico State at all. Which didn't surprise me a ton. Uh, well, that just, tells well, you what, one, like the game Mex- was working, and then yeah. number two, New Mexico State was really small, and, and yeah, so uh, I don't yeah. know that playing him would have been, you know, yeah. much of an advantage. Yeah, against bigger teams in the conference, it'll be interesting to see if um, he gets more into the rotation, or if that if if that was just Smith's rotation that he's going to go to against better teams. I don't I don't know. Like it's going to be interesting to see because. Rolling with like uh, it's funny. Um, uh, Kempom has uh, C.J. Ellaby playing forty-two percent of the minutes at uh, power forward over the last five games. So right, um, that's yeah. I don't know if uh, C.J. Ellaby at the four is going to be a long-term, you know, sort of no. solution. Nope. Um, at the same time, you have to have this caveat that this team probably isn't going to win a lot of games in conference play. The Pac-12 is definitely a step up from what it's been the last couple of years. Um, there's not as many teams at our level. Um, if this team would have existed last year, they probably would have won quite a few more games against uh, some of those worst teams in the league. But this year, some of the teams at Oregon and uh Arizona have taken quite a big step up. Washington has a bunch of really good young guys. And, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of top 100, top 70 teams where it's more getting back to the conference it should be. Um, and uh, so that that may make it harder to get wins in conference play, just the fact that the, the teams are better. Yeah. Um, so I don't want people to freak out because this team is – loads better than it was last year yep. um last year they finished two what 215 207 207 and, and they're at 145 right now last year they finished 284th in defense efficiency adjusted uh they're 125 right now so they're an above average defense definitely the offense is taking a little step back but not as much as the defense has taken a step forward, which is kind of what we expected. Right. Also, interesting thing, offense overall in NCAA is completely down, and we're still above average. Yeah. Like you, you, you had pointed out, like it's uh, just a hair below one point per, per possession on average in, in the NCAA this year, and that is five, almost five points per 100%, or four and a half points per, per 100 possessions less than last year, which is a big big deal yeah like you're talking about like each team scoring you know on average about three or four less points a game than they did last year and yeah. i it's I, that's we, attributable mostly to the three-point line three-point line um i think also the 22nd clock off the offensive rebound has uh sped up the game but made it harder for teams to score off offensive rebounds as well because uh, yeah. they can't pull it out set up their offense they kind of I think, the, and what you have said, and what uh, analysts like Kempom have said, they've moved the line back before, 
and the players eventually adjust. So maybe a yeah. guy like Bonton and a guy like Ellaby will start hitting eventually once they adjust to the line. Yeah, you know? I, I think it's I think it's pretty inevitable. I, I don't think it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think it's going to be a thing for very long. I, you know, I think it'll pop. It's already popping back up. I, at one point, the uh, average efficiency was down around like. 97 points per 100 possessions, something like that. Uh, it was it was really low. That's some like, like that's some damn. like that's some like 2002 NBA. Yeah, stuff right like there. really really low. Um, it's already creeping up. So I, I think yeah. teams are adjusting. I think uh, and referees adjust. Referees usually. are probably Call adjusting less to some foul. degree. And... Kind of like uh, kind of let the game go. People are more. It's and and it's typically deep like shooters are better in the middle of the season it's like hitters in baseball and shooters in basketball they're better in the middle of the season than they are at the yep. start of the season yep yeah it's uh let's see what's what am i sorry i was looking at something here trying to see yeah so three point uh percentage is down from 34 and a half percent across all of uh division one down to 33 percent two point percent is actually down a little bit too um, and then free throw rate is down. So, you know, I don't know, maybe this year we're lacking turnovers are up. So maybe, you know, this year we're lacking some kind of referee point of emphasis that results in more fouls, which there always seems, seems like to we be. usually have that, but this year, I, you know, I don't think there is anything like that. So yeah, you, you remember the, uh, the, uh, what was it like about five years ago when they would call, like it, it was always a, a blocking foul if the player had like even started to pick up the ball. They right. said that they said that that was like a movement towards the basket. Right. And so we had like a wild like start to the season there where the free throw rates are super high, and then the referees adjusted as they always do and stopped calling it. And then, and then uh, you saw the free throw rate go down. But yeah, right. there's nothing. Yeah, I. There's nothing weird. They probably thought it was weird enough to move the free throw line back and do the 20-second shot clock off of offensive rebounds and kickballs and stuff. So they probably thought that was weird enough, and they shouldn't screw with it anymore this year. Yep. By the way, the last time that efficiency was this low was 2003. Wow. 98.8, so .988 points per possession in 2003. That was the last time it was under 1.0. What are you looking at? I'm looking at the Ken Palm Division One statistical trends page. Oh yeah, because when I click on um, when I click on WSU 2003, the D1 average has 102.1. So I don't mm. know. I don't know. Well, this is what maybe it says on on the statistical trends page. Maybe that's the maybe yours is looking at the raw numbers and that's this maybe is looking at maybe adjust, the other ones like, adjusted. Well, I wouldn't adjust. I don't know. Wouldn't the adjusted know. equal the raw if you took it on average everywhere? But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Ken, Ken knows more about numbers than I do. So yes, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, man. Um, yeah, pretty good. Uh, subscribe. Subscribe. Lie, rate, us. Uh, rate us five stars. Um, tell a friend about us. Uh, oh, if you. Uh, if you're listening this long and you want free tickets to any of these break basketball games, let me know. Um, I can hook you up with free tickets uh, to the basketball games. And uh, so No purchase necessary. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Um, uh, send me a, <laughs> drop me a line on my Twitter at the Craig Powers or 
at pod versus everyone or send us an email at podcast versus everyone at gmail.com which you can do to send us questions comments whatever you want um or if you want free basketball tickets uh send me if you happen to live near pullman and you want to go in the winter to a basketball game i will hook you up did you mention there were free basketball tickets uh yeah there are free oh, okay basketball good. tickets good, good, um, good. just for listening to this podcast that's All how right. popular they are there we go um yeah anything else oh i i will say um feel really bad i haven't looked at i i'm supposed to get notifications on the email um i'm re, i'm gonna send an apology ben shannon i'm sorry you looks like on maybe i just didn't see it because i was drunk looks like on or i was driving i think to the to the game on uh on the day of the oregon state game he asked if we could send out the link for the 19 dollar tickets and i'm sorry i didn't see that i'm so sorry ben um, I hope you were able to find a last-minute ticket to the game anyway. Um, and I hope see so. that awesome game. Um, but, yeah. But, yeah. Let, uh, rate and subscribe us and all that. Yeah. All right. Go Cougs, Craig. Go Cougs.